This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Jennifer, for just setting the atmosphere and for everyone to, who has contributed to this uh, service thus far. I want to say the, the movement of time in the Adventist church is such that we encounter persons at different stages of our lives. I met Pastor Jennifer, I think somewhere around maybe 2016, 2017 at Andrews Theological Seminary, and we had talked, maybe even later, maybe 2019 around there, we had talked about uh, ministry and uh, Florida while she was at seminary, and then uh, we got the word that she was coming to Broward, and uh, that's just amazing how God works, and uh, we're so grateful and blessed uh, to have you as part of our team, and my, my esteemed uh, friend and colleague, the, the debonair uh, Pastor Rose, uh, really from, I think, the first, first few weeks of my being here in uh, South Florida, just uh, come to know him as a friend and uh, his dear wife. And ironically, actually, that um, tonight we're speaking on the subject of grief. And uh, when my uh, mother passed in, in uh, 2017, a pastor and his wife were there with us as we uh, celebrated her life. And so it is not just in words, but also in action that he manifests that uh, collegiality and pastoral support. And uh, so glad that he has the opportunity to share his gifts with you and for you uh, as a church to work together uh, to build up the kingdom in this part of the Lord's vineyard. Well, I have... Uh, to say good evening to everyone once again. It's good to see you all, and uh, it's been a while since I've been here. There have been some changes, not only in personnel, but also in the facility. It looks so wonderful, and I would say more, but I'm under strict orders as to my time on tonight. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, manage myself accordingly. And uh, our text for uh, consideration is found in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're looking at verse uh, 16 through to verse 19. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, and we're looking at here from uh, verse uh, 16. And uh, the New King James version says, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is, what everybody? Futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have, what everybody? Perished. And verse 19 says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. 
going to speak to us for just a few moments under the caption, Keep Hope Alive, Keep Hope Alive. Father, we thank you for this, your written word, and we pray that in these few moments you would take this, your written word, through me, your vessel, defective and enfeebled, though I be, that it may become a living and transforming word in all of our hearts and minds, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I must shout out my uh, esteemed member, uh, Sister Pat, good to see you, and I think we're going to hear from you later on as well. I think it's fair to say that the last uh, 30 months or so have been for most of us, if not all of us, the most uh, traumatic and uh, to some degree terrifying that we have uh, experienced in our lives. I think that we, the movements and the questions of getting back to normal and the statements such as these, and some people have said that we'll never quite go back to normal, we'll never quite go back to uh, where we once were. Two years after the COVID and a half years after the pandemic abruptly changed the way that we live and work, it is important for us to pause to reflect on, uh, either one is fine, to pause and reflect on how what we have experienced, uh, what we have learned, what we have, thank you so much, how we have adapted and coped and what we have learned in this time. This pandemic, the most severe in over a century, has reminded us of just how fragile we are. But it has also, I would suggest, challenged us and to our resourcefulness, our adaptability, and also our resilience. But I would suggest that the toll of the COVID-19 pandemic is far more than simply the death toll. It has been the impact on person's mental health, their spiritual stability, their financial security, their change and impact in family dynamics, the breaking up of friendships as they have fought over vaccine mandates and masks mandates and conspiracy theories, and, and really the PTSD that others have experienced in healthcare and in other professions. In fact, even as in pastoral ministry, we are finding that there has been significant fallout as a result of the pandemic, and I'm sure in other areas uh, and callings too, that is the case. And one of the things that often happens when we experience uh, loss and grief is that we often seek to, especially in our culture, to run through the stages of grief in order that we can move on. There are statements that suggest that we should be over that or this by now, that we should understand that uh, nothing is forever. And these statements often uh, come out and they often come to a place where they would seek to uh, minimize the pain of the loss and the grief that we experience. We experience loss and we experience grief through the death of loved ones, when relationships break down, when uh, jobs are lost, when there is a change in roles. Uh, sometimes they say that parents even experience grief when their children leave home. I don't know who those parents are, but apparently <laughs> they are there somewhere. 
But one of the things that we know is that grief, and we should know, and I want to say to us tonight, is that grief is normal and an appropriate response to the losses that we experience in this world. Grief is, as we are designed by God, the body's way of responding to loss of something that we valued, something that was precious to us. And so in a very real sense, we experience emotional pain, uh, and that pain that we experience is because of the way that God has made us. He has made us to be sensitive, to be in touch with our feelings and our emotions. Feelings, uh, grief can be overwhelming, and the sadness can permeate every aspect of our lives. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David uh, Kessler's book, uh, seminal work, Grief and Grieving, says, the reality is that you will, to some degree, grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one, but you learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss that you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same again. Nor should you be, or should you want to be. And so strangely enough, uh, uh, one of the things that we often say in church, and we, we try to say, well, you know, you should get over it, or you should be over it by now. But in truth and in fact, that because of the way that we are made and designed, because of the relationships that we have had and the experiences that we have had, that we ought to understand that grief is very much a part of life. The stages of grief then, and simply, and we'll talk more about this in our panel, uh, shock and, and denial, and there is mourning and sadness and confusion and discomfort as a part. There is pain and there is guilt as the second stage. There is anger and bargaining uh, that we often find manifested in resentment or stubbornness. Uh, depression, reflection, and loneliness. There is often found in persons having their spirits crushed and feeling heavy. But then there is what is known as the upward turn, where individuals can be strengthened and motivated and awakened. And there is, as part of the process of grief, reconstruction and the working through the loss that has been experienced. That can result in inspiration, determination to experience new things. And finally, uh, someone has said, uh, culminating in the joy of acceptance and hope. And so the question is, how can we have hope in the midst of our grief? Well, I would suggest to us then, as we framed in our initial statements, that grief is part of human life. And so as a result, if we want to experience hope in the midst of grief, we must accept that grief is part of our existence on planet Earth. Uh, until the Lord comes, until he makes all things new, uh, grief is part of life, and grief does not mean, as someone has said, as uh, Sarah Dessen said, grief does not make you imperfect, it makes you human. And so our grief is, is not something that we should see as weakness. And, and I want to say especially to, uh, to men, you know that we, we are told and we are raised under the idea that boys don't what? Boys don't cry. We are told, you know, you, you, you experience some pain in your life and you're told that you have to suck it up. But boys don't cry. 
but it is actually the strength of a man who is able to let his feelings and emotions be seen. One writer says, you cannot truly heal from a loss until you allow yourself to really feel the loss. And so sometimes we are, and you know, we, we are, we are well-meaning as saints, right? And so we will come to people who experience grief or loss, and, and we will come with a wonderful text as found in, in uh, uh, Psalm 116 and verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord. Uh, it is the death of his saints. Or we will say something like, uh, weeping, main joy for a night, but, but joy comes in the morning. You know, we, we have these, these platitudes that we, we throw out, and, and they are well-meaning, but what we often do is we seek to truncate individuals' grief, pain, and loss. And oftentimes that is done because many of us have not processed our own grief and loss for ourselves, and we don't want to navigate people's grief and loss with them, and so we want to put it all nice with a scripture or a song. Throughout the Bible, we see grief appears as a common experience without shame, guilt, or condemnation. Grief becomes a pathway to deep feelings and reveals the, our humanity and our vulnerability. In fact, in our grief, we can become closer to God. And so, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13 and following, we read a text, uh, the Apostle Paul shares with us something, a text that we often uh, misinterpret. Uh, first, uh, Thessalonians 4, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant concerning those who fall asleep so that you what? So that you sorrow or you grieve as those who have what? No hope. Now, now we often use this text uh, to say, well, you know, you, you ought not uh, grieve as those who don't have hope. And, and what we really say is you ought not grieve. Because Jesus is going to come again, the, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. But if you understand the text, the apostle Paul is saying that, that you do have grief, and you should have grief, but there is a context to the grief, and that is the blessed hope. But in order to get to the blessed hope, you must have grief. And so here we understand that Paul was saying to the church in Thessalonica, listen, don't get to the point that you are so concerned that, uh, and of course there was the theology and the teaching that, that, that Mary was up there and, and John was up there enjoying life while we were down here and, and there was no hope. But he was saying that, understand that grief is part of life, but you put that grief in the context of eternity. Jesus says in, in uh, John 16 and verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? Tribulation. You will have trouble. You will have trial. You will have pain. You will have discomfort and suffering. You will experience lot, but... Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. 
And so then, it is an important part of experiencing hope when we accept that grief and loss is part of the human experience. And we may not even be able to explain it, but we can accept it. I have to tell you, some of you have heard and experienced my story through my testimony. When my brother was killed in uh, now 1992, and I was getting ready to go to Oakwood, things were put in place and my mother was working in the United States at the time. And it made no sense to me, Pastor, that God would allow my brother to be killed and, and our whole family to be put into turmoil and all of the plans to be upside. It made no sense. But what I did understand in that process is that while I experienced the grief and the loss of that experience and it is still part of my existence today, it has helped to frame who I am as a result. And so not only is grief a part of life, but if we allow it to, it can help us to be better people as we navigate this world. How then can we have hope? Grief, understand that grief is part of our human existence. Point number two, God understands our grief. There, there is a, a song that one of the members from my church back home in the UK used to uh, sing, and it was called Tears Are a Language That God Understands. And uh, when I first heard it, I said to her, you know, you need to warn me before you sing that song. Because the, the words are so powerful that God understands our grief. In fact, Isaiah uh, puts it this way in Isaiah chapter uh, 53 and verse 3. Uh, Isaiah 53 and, and verse 3, he says, he, he was despised and what? Rejected of men. A what? A man of sorrows acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief the Lord the psalmist declares Psalm 34 and verse 18 the Lord is close to those who are what broken hearted and save those who are crushed in spirit and so my grief, my loss, my sadness, my suffering, my pain, God is not immune to that. In fact, the Bible lets us know that God comes alongside us in our time of grief. You know, I'm quite partial to music of different genres and as it relates to gospel music and worship music. But uh, there are some times when those old hymns, Pastor, touch you in a way. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? When the burdens press and the tears distress and the way grows weary and long? 
Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. And so the Bible lets us know that, that not only is grief a part of the journey of our lives, but God is moved and impacted by our grief. God is not some uh, absent or, or distant parent. God is moved by the tears that we shed, by the pain in our heart, by the disappointment in our experience. God understands our grief. So that means, brothers and sisters, that I don't have to try to put the best outside. Because God understands. Now I know that as a church and as a people, we have, as I've said, tried to truncate people's grief process. And, and let me say this, let me say this to be kind. We all grieve in different ways. And so some of us are more emotional than others. I'm, I'm quite an emotional type. I, I, I can cry for nearly everything. You know, even... even uh, even when I see like, you know, someone achieve something at the Olympics and they have a great story behind them, I, I get emotional. I hear the story about how they struggled and how they trained with no shoes and all of that and I see them reach their goal and I get emotional. Now, not all of us are the same, you know, and I, I've, been, I've been told uh, to dry it up at times. I'm not going to say who, but I'm just going to say I've been told. And so I want to say this, that God understands and we should understand that we grieve and experience loss differently, but we should not negate the process of grief. We may not grieve the same, but we all need to allow the work of grief to take place in each of us. Because if we allow the work of grief to take place, then the work of God to heal us and to strengthen us can also take place. Blessed are they that mourn, the Bible says, for they shall be comforted. Jesus declares, come unto me, all you who are weary, Matthew 11 and verse 28, 30, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, one of the fascinating things about uh, being a pastor is that you get to see people's uh, grief in a very raw and real sense. And one of the things that I've come to understand, talking about God understanding our grief, is that we often frame our grief through the, the lens of our experiences. And so I have found that people who have, uh, let me say, experienced a more uh, simple or rural life are often more expressive in their emotions. But I don't know what happened to us. I don't know if we came to the United States or we went to the UK and got all refined. But now we, 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 we barely express our emotions. And so, you know, we, we experience loss and we, 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 we just dab the corner of our eyes and we move on. But if you read scripture, you see that the outpouring of emotion and feeling was vast. 
David, when faced with the death of his child, he was hollering, Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, would to God that I had died instead of you. I remember, I remember when I would hear people say, Pastor, about their children and uh, how they would go through anything for their kids, you know, die for them, all of these things, you know, and they would, and I would roll my eyes. I didn't have children then. You know, people who don't have children, they roll their eyes and they make statements, you know, wait till you have a few, you'll find out. And I remember when Nathaniel was about 18 months old and he had to go for adenoid surgery and they had to, you know, put the tube in his nose and he was screaming out. And I said right there, just put me on the table. Let me go through what he is going through. And when you think about what God looked down from heaven and saw Jesus on the cross and what that was like, so we don't have to be afraid of our grief and our emotions and our feelings because God understands. He was there. Finally, I would suggest to us that the lesson from our text and for our journey tells us clearly that God has the final say. God has the final say in the journey of our grief. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, John the Revelator, speaking of the, the end of things, says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now, understand that the Apostle Paul says that, that if we have hope only in Christ for this, in this life, we are of the all men to be most pitied. In other words, the Apostle Paul was saying that, that even in the midst of the, the grief and the pain, even amidst the successes of our lives, we know that this life is not all there is. And so we contextualize our grief in understanding that on the one side, yes, we have grief and we have loss. On the other side, we have blessings and we have opportunities. But in the end of it all, the most important thing is when that time comes that we can stand in the assurance of the love and the faith and the conviction that we are on the Lord's side and he will make all things new. You see, you see, we go through hell and high water down here. We, we have marriages that sometimes break up. We have children that leave us and are ungrateful. We have bosses that don't treat us well. And, and if it was only for this life, life would be hard. We have family members who are seemingly healthy one minute and then they are sick the next. We have situations and, and circumstances in our lives where we look and we say, Lord, I have done everything you asked me to do. How come this crop, this harvest is so bitter? But the Apostle Paul let us know and John the Revelator reminds us that this world is not all there is. 
This world is not our home. We, we are just passing through. We will pass through grief. We will pass through loss. We will pass through sorrow. We will pass through disappointment. But one day, God will make all things new. But we don't approach the pain of this life just with the belief that somewhere beyond the blue, God will make all things new. We have the assurance that day by day, in the midst of our grief, we can still have hope. Because God has the final say. You know, the beautiful thing about God having the final say is that we can look at the things which are taking place in this world and know that as distressing as they are, God still has the final say. Overwhelming as it often is, God has the final say. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 says, we do not lose heart. We do not give up. For though the outward man is perishing, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. For we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen, hallelujah, are eternal. So I trust God in the midst of my disappointments. I trust God in the midst of my grief. I trust God in the midst of my pain because I know he has the final say. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've lost quite a lot in these last 30 months. But one thing we can be assured of is that the love of God remains. And in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our disappointment, we can still have hope. Is there somebody tonight who just wants to say, Lord, in spite of what is lost, you're online, you're here in the building, in spite of what has been lost, in spite of what I have gone through, I'm still going to trust in you. I'm still going to hope in you. You're online. You want to put it in the chat. You want to raise your hand. You want to say, Lord, I still want to trust you. Let's stand together as we pray. I still want to trust in you. Father, we thank you tonight for the assurance that you understand our grief. Father, for some under the sound of my voice tonight, they are mourning the loss of loved ones, the loss of a relationship, the loss of financial stabilities and opportunities. 
Lord, we thank you today that you have made us with uh, feelings and emotions that, that can be in touch with our innermost being. And Lord, I'm praying tonight that as we reflect on not only what we have lost, but on who you are, that we will have hope. We thank you, Lord, that you have the final say over our lives. And so even as we mourn and even though we experience loss, Lord, we know that you hold the world in the palm of your hand. And so give us that assurance tonight that we may know that you, God, that you will keep us, that you will sustain us, that you will hold us in the midnight hour, and that when even when all around our soul gives way, you are our hope and stay. Bless us now, Lord. Bless your people as we continue to hope in you and to keep the hope of Jesus Christ alive. In your name we pray. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.